Hi, I'm Matt Kierkegaard, and thanks to Cryomalt, this is Beer as a Conversation. This week, Hot Products Australia released its 2018 crop report, and so we catch up with sales and marketing manager Owen Johnson to find out all about the 2018 Australian hop harvest and what it means for brewers and ultimately for beer drinkers. The 2018 harvest saw a 10.4% increase in yield over 2017, but even that was 10% below expectations. We chat with OJ about why that was, what hops are in demand, and what HPA's forecasting says about the future of the brewing industry. One of the things OJ discusses is the amount of hops that is exported these days. More than 60% of the harvest goes overseas. And with the US being a major buyer, I've added an interview that James Atkinson recorded recently with Jeremy Moynier, Stone Brewing's Senior Manager of Innovation and Supply Chain. James chatted with Jeremy at the recent Craft Brewers Conference, and much of what they discussed was about how US brewers see Australian hops and how they are using them in their beers. So it's an interesting 10 minutes to close out our chat with OJ. Enjoy the conversations. Owen Johnson, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks very much. Mate, I always, it, it, it's always a little bit of uh, Groundhog Day when we come back. Another year, another uh, HPA hop report. Yes, um, 153 harvests in and, and uh, you know, some things have changed, but every year, <laughs> post-harvest, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we, people want to know what, uh, what happened and how we went and um, what the future might look like for the year ahead as uh, it relates to our hop we can publish this uh, HPA 2018 crop report um, with the uh, w- with the discussion, so that way anyone who uh, who reads it or who's listening to this can actually go get the uh, concrete figures. Great, yep, and it'll re- it'll reside on the uh, hops.com.au uh, website under the blog tab as well, uh, along with a, a lot of our other um, topics we've spoken about right here. Um, you know, breeding programs and uh, genetic diversity and all sorts of fun stuff. Oh, well, we'll link directly to that, so everyone's got it as a one-stop shop. Now, for the 2018 uh, harvest, the area harvested was up by 21.7 hectares, a 4% increase in area harvested, and you yielded a 10.4 increase in uh, in hops. That, that, that's got to be a, uh, you know, a, a, a positive for you. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, you know, it's uh, an, an artifact of uh, you know uh, crop maturity. The um, the rate of change in our business in the last few years, as we've spoken about, is, has been unprecedented. Uh, you know, there were years there where we were uh, changing uh, the paddock, you know, mix, the variety mix, um, up to a quarter of the entire hop farm area a year there at one point. So, the average age of a a hop plant on our farms at the moment is very, very young, and we um, and we see some increasing yield as plant maturity comes on. I, I, I don't know what next year would look like in comparable figures. Um, we will uh, we will hopefully have some more land again, um, and and I imagine that that plant age will lead to a, a disproportional, a pleasingly disproportional increase in yield. But uh, I'm not sure how that would look next year. But we'll take it for this year. I tell you what. <laughs> and uh, that actually translates to, uh, in terms of weight, almost 1.2 million kilograms in 2017 to over 1.3 million uh, kilograms. 
uh, and most of the increase uh, was from the harvest of new, newly established uh, plantings in Galaxy and Vic Secret. So are we going to see the, the demand for those uh, hops met this year? Uh, yes, yes, we will. So, you know, the, the headlines for me out of this year are really that um, we had a, a reasonable season on Galaxy in a tough year. We came in a little bit down on expectation for Galaxy, uh, but, you know, the real headline here is that we have grown more Galaxy than ever before. That's <laughs> when we talk about coming in uh, down on expectations, we need to bear in mind that, um, you know, we've, we've grown more Galaxy than we ever have. And, and that's, a, you know, that's, a, that's an excellent thing to be able to uh, bring to the, to the brewers out there who are, um, who are constantly calling up for Galaxy. So we'll definitely have covered contracts for Galaxy and Vic Secret this year. Um, uh, that said, there will be only a limited spot market as, uh, as we expect to sell out on, on Galaxy, you know, which quickly within the next couple of months. So, you know, my, you know, alongside the crop report and the outcomes of the crop this year, um, which, which was down overall a little, uh, from expectations is, is, you know, it is a call to action for the brewers out there who, who haven't considered their hop needs for this crop year, which is May 2018 to May 2019, really get on the phone, send us an email, reach out, um, if we don't know you've got needs, we can't we can't cater for them. So I encourage I encourage all the brewers out there who are interested in Aussie hops and Aussie hop flavours to uh, yeah, get on the blower. Now breaking those uh, headline numbers down a little bit more, Galaxy was seven hundred and fifty thousand kilos. That's a enormous increase over the last uh, five or six years. It is. Again, we've had that rapid expansion in acreage. Um, we've we've uh, added. Oh, you know, I think I think we ended up spending something like twenty-five million dollars between twenty fifteen and, and twenty seventeen, um, rejuvenating equipment, adding land, the uh, establishment of new gardens on new hop-growing land. Uh, yeah, the the Galaxy yield is expected to continue on. I think we're going to add another something like hundred tons. Of Galaxy in 2019. Um, I don't have that number right in front of me right now, but uh, you know the, the trajectory of Galaxy continues on um, next year and into 2020, uh, and then the crystal ball gets a bit hazier after that. So, <laughs> so uh, we know we're going to produce more Galaxy than ever before. Uh, that's that's the take home here that um, it's uh, it's going to have a spot market. Um, even though it came in just a little bit down on expectations, we still protect our contractual obligations by running uh, running a buffer between what we think we're going to grow and how much we contract to sell, you know, in advance of the crop. Uh, so, you know, we've spoken to the spoken to the brewers about this quite a bit. You know, we run a 15% buffer. We contract up to 85% of the forecasted yield. Galaxy came in uh, at minus seven and a half percent on that expected yield so we're still in the buffer there no contracts affected and a very small spot market which is you know for me that's uh given the uncertainty in agriculture that's still a great um a great result and so by 2020 we'll have almost a thousand tons of galaxy god i'm just trying to think of uh, some numbers we've discussed in the past would that almost in galaxy alone would that almost be uh you know a, a greater weight in galaxy alone than you were producing yeah, you know, maybe a decade ago. It's um, it's surprising how uh, how much in terms of kilos. Yeah. Uh, 
or tons how much um, the the business used to make. Um, you know, it was kind of in that high volume, low margin space of commodity alpha. Uh, you know, Bushy Park alone produced something like one and a half thousand tons, all up in must have been around about two thousand and two. Right. You know, that's that's Bushy Park alone compared to the whole the whole of uh, HPA growing. Uh, you know, it's just slightly less than that this year. So it, it's. We can't we can't run to the mainstream media with headlines of biggest crop ever or anything like that. That's not not the game we're in. <laughs> um, but it's high value. Uh, it is, it is, and it's um, and and of course it's it's higher value. Uh, it's actually higher yielding per hectare. You know, it's a uh, the modern face of HPA's agricultural endeavours is um, is much more efficient than than perhaps some of the large tonnages uh, that were produced in the past. So it is a quite a different looking business um, compared to back then. Mm. And I'm just, uh, we're going to follow this hop report. Uh, James was uh, overseas in the US um, for the Craft Brewers Conference and uh, caught up with a couple of US um, brewers, including Carl Strauss, Carl Strauss and Stone. Um, and Jeremy from Stone said, enjoy by would not be the same without Galaxy. Um, which is a really interesting comment to make. Are we seeing much of the harvest in Galaxy go overseas to export markets? Um, yeah, well, two two comments there. Firstly, on the um, on the role of Galaxy plays out there in beers. Um, you know, we we are very lucky to enjoy so much positive feedback about our modern range of varieties that people um, love them, a eh? build beers around them, but also really struggle to substitute them out and and you know that's probably a two-edged sword for the brewers out there listening because it makes the job a little bit harder um uh but galaxy in particular as our lead hop it's one that gets the most feedback in this way um people really do um you know love its impact in beer and struggle to uh, be satisfied when they when they might need to blend it away or uh, diminish its impact and you know, we don't want to see that, hence trying to grow more and more every year. Now, the second part of the question is that overall we'll export uh, 60% of the entire harvest. Uh, about half of that uh, will um, will go to the US and, and Galaxy basically falls in line with that. So, so in rough numbers, uh, 60% of the Galaxy grown will go overseas uh, and, and and about half of that goes into the US market. That's got to be a, um, again, uh, you know, we often talk about the contribution that craft beer makes to the economy, and uh, that's got to be a great story, um, or you know, chalk one up for the craft beer industry in terms of uh, you know, added value for the Australian economy, um, if we're looking at su- substantial export growth in, uh, in, in hops. Yes, I guess if you were to, um, you know, if you were to look at the... Uh <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting one. If you look at the, the um, balance of trade, so to speak, just in the hop industry, um, I'd, I'd suspect that we bring in slightly more uh, hop material into Australia than, than we would export. But we wouldn't be, it wouldn't be too far out of balance. Uh, so no need to go to war on the uh, you know, trade barriers <laughs> just at this point. I've I've asked uh, Mr. Trump to just uh, hold a steady hand there, <laughs> and just focus on stainless steel. But exactly, <laughs> relieve us out of it. <laughs> going back to the sort of uh, one and a half million, uh, one and a half 
1,000 tonnes. 1,000, one and a half thousand <laughs> tonnes. That's why the, the didn't work in my head either. Um, but I'd imagine that of that uh, commodity hop that you were growing, you know, back at the uh, early 2000s, uh, not a lot of that would have been exported. Uh, yeah, that's correct. So, so again, the, the sort of proportionality uh, is, is completely different and, and growing commodity alpha for uh, extract specifically, um, uh, you know, that, so, you know, basically boiling it down into the most generic and tradable format of hop bittering that you can, uh, you know, people are very price uh, conscious at that point. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't an overly romantic industry for the, for the business at that point. <laughs> But now, you know, it's completely different. We talk about every conversation we have with brewers is about impact in beer and about flavour, and uh, it's really pretty exciting. Looking at the second uh, biggest yield was Vic Secret at a shade over 200,000 kilograms. Has that, I, I'm trying to think of what the growth is from last year, has that been a rapid a rapid grower for you? It has, yes. And um, uh, Vic's an interesting uh, case. Um, it, uh, we, we think it's a, you know, an IPA um, specific hop. You know, not to not to diminish people's ability to put it in recipes, but IPAs. Uh, we think Vic suits the IPA recipe, um, and we plan it up, assuming that you know you see it in the BA published information out of the states. You know, I, four of the top five selling craft recipes are, uh, or you know, beer styles or IPAs, different iterations of IPAs. So we think Vic Secret's got a great big future and we've planned it up accordingly. Now, 200 tonnes of Vic this year, um, that it was just a fraction down on expectations, but basically bang on. Um, it, it's, it's got some decent spot availability because, um, you know, we plant up these things in the expectation that the market then pulls them uh, rather than Galaxy, where we've been trying so hard for so many years to keep up with demand, we're a little bit on the front foot with Vic, and it's um, it's, it's a good news story on availability, which is uh, which is always nice to have. Now, you do note in the report the main varieties that fell short of expected yields were Cascade, Enigma, and Super Pride. Is there a reason that those three uh, you know were, were lower yields? Um, were, were, you know, was that the season? Was that uh, conditions? Uh, look, uh, my my understanding of this is that that the Tassie uh, Cascade and, and Enigma were affected by the season. Um, we had a really uh, strong start, and um, things bursted out of the ground, and and plenty of vegetative growth um, through October and November. Um, but then we got uh, we got a really wet and cold uh, snap through December, which actually brought on an early burr, which is the um, which is the sort of life stage of flowering. Um, also, on the female hop plant, those flower sites become where the hop cones develop. Um, these things have to happen in a particular sequence, in line with daylight uh, hours. You know, the photo period they call it, uh, and hopefully your your sort of temperature um, tracks along and appropriately. We had a bit of a disconnect here. Burr came on early. Um, and we know that that tends to mean that we're not going to hit the expected yields, regardless of the rest of the season. If your if your if your sort of plant timing <laughs> is out of whack with the sun, uh, it's going to have an effect. So that um, that really knocked around Cascade and Enigma. Uh, Cascade down 16% on um, on our expectations. Enigma even further um, up over 20% down. So. Uh, 
we managed to uh, negotiate a couple of a couple of individual contracts, um, which allowed us to leave. Uh, you know, where we know people have um, have some flexibility, we'll reach out to them first and see if we can minimise the impact on the rest of the customer base. So they're all amicable amicable negotiations, um, and we were able to minimise the damage uh, across the across the customer base there. So what's the end result in terms of prices uh, for, for hops um, with, with the increased uh, yield versus the sort of slightly lower than projections um, and the growing demand? Where are we seeing prices up or down this year? So spot prices generally, um, so spot prices generally have uh, crept a little bit on last year. Um, and the, uh, Sorry, uh, Vic Secret and Ella have uh, remained steady. Galaxy has gone up. Um, in the face of its unrelenting demand, um, uh, the the forward rates uh, on Superprod are also up. Um, Topaz uh, Topaz has gone up uh, because it's it's, a, it's experiencing some some very strong demand and very pleasing demand for Topaz at the moment. Uh, and there's only a tiny spot market there. Uh, Vic, and I say as I say, Vic and Ella have remained steady. The real advantage here for brewers is uh, is looking at the forward rates. You know, you, you you can see the difference. There's a material difference between the spot rate now that harvest is over for you know in the 2018 spot rate to the 2019 price. Um, Galaxy in particular is uh, is I think it'd be almost uh, 20% as a difference there. I'd have to get the big calculator out and work that one out. Uh, don't have that number in front of me, but there is a significant difference. So if people are are organised and your ability to plan, and um, you can really take advantage of, uh, of of managing your exposure to a to a fluctuating spot market price. We don't expect the demand for Galaxy, for instance, to come off. We expect that to continue on. So, so I would say that the spot rate will stay stay high while while ever we are trying to catch up to that demand, uh, which which we're actively pursuing. But um, but uh, I don't think we'll win that battle just uh, just in the next few years. Now, looking across uh, at your projected yield increases for um, 19 and 20 harvests, um, the 2019 harvest is looking like you're expecting a 200,000 kilo increase um, and almost the same again for, for 2020. That doesn't stem from any new plantings, does it? That's just uh, increased yield on the plantings that you've uh, run over the, the last two years. We actually do have some new acreage factored into that. Ah, right. Um, we do have some new um, some new acreage coming on in uh, Victoria. It's a little bit nebulous at the moment. We've got great planting material ready to go, uh, and we'll be deploying that in in spring. Uh, but exactly what the numbers, uh, the actual uh, hectares uh, turn out to be, will be uh, is still a little bit up for grabs. Driven mainly by plant maturity, we will see these increases uh, continue to march on. It plateaus after 2020. If we don't keep building on new land, that that production number will uh, will eventually stabilise, which which makes sense. Um, but yeah, we're we're actively pursuing extra acreage this year and uh, and going forward. That's interesting because uh, um, the report also indicates that uh, as we look towards crop 2019, the current global demand for HPA proprietary varieties continues, despite some indicators of slowing segments in the important USA market. 
Uh, you were over at CBC um, a, a couple of weeks back, and no doubt you would have been looking very interesting, you know, with a very interested eye over how things are going in, in the US. What's your read of the, the US um, you know, craft beer market at the moment? Yeah, it was it was quite an interesting time, um, and and drawing on some of the again some of the published material from the BA, um, I think I think you'd need to look at the the demographic of of brewery numbers and size. So, you know, the the there is a vast array, number huge number of breweries in the in the micro size, you know, then diminishing numbers up into you know regional and national craft and. And really, if you if you simply break it down on those size uh, categories, the the growth figures are wildly different. You know, to the point where at the top end of the the, the triangle there, the uh, the national craft, the big craft guys are even wildly fluctuating. Some are in in single digit growth, some are in double digit uh, decline in in volume. You know, so so that's quite a patchwork number. And the BA I think averages out at about a one percent growth. But as you come down to the to the hyper local, uh, you know, in the brew pub sort of setting, they're still in, they're still enjoying very strong growth rates. So, uh, so despite some indicators of slowing segments in the important USA market, some segments are still growing uh, really strongly. So we just uh, we just sort of take that as a note of caution that that perhaps there is some turbulence coming, but um, the numbers the numbers of brewers and the volumes of craft and their consumption rate for uh, for hops that, that summed up hop demand there. Uh, I still think that our the demand for our proprietary varieties 2019 onwards is, is going to be very, very strong regardless of these, uh, regardless of some of these indicators coming out of the US. So it's a bit of a bit of a complex picture over there in the US. Yeah, no, it, it is. But I guess when your business is based, like you don't just suddenly flick a switch and bring more hops onto, uh, you know, on, on stream as, as we've discussed over the last couple of years. There's a lot of planning and there's a lot of investment to to, to create the growth uh, that you have, including you know buying and uh, setting up new or you know, arranging and mm. implementing new new land. So I, I, I guess your uh, your view of the industry um, it, it is going to be, you know, as uh, as informed as any um, in, in in the market, I guess. Yeah, you'd be taking a very pragmatic uh, uh, approach <laughs> rather than uh, a bullish one. Oh, absolutely. I think you have to be. I guess if I was to make a comparison between, or yeah, like to like between the the brewing brewing business and the and the farming business. I think that approach to the future in the farming industry is much more conservative and a much steadier pace. And, and I think one of the things that we found with the growth trajectory of Galaxy and the, the awareness and demand that it created um, is that is that the sort of uh, even going as fast as we tried to, we couldn't we couldn't go in the agricultural setting as fast as the manufacturing setting wanted to uh, wanted to roll out beers with Galaxy in it. So. One of the other things that sort of tempers the um, the trend out of the US is that is that the HPA varieties are still effectively brand new in some situations over in Europe. Um, there are there are you know national markets and etc. That uh, we we hear feedback that our hops have only been available you know in the last few years and and so we've got the um, the sleeping giant of European craft that may well wake up. Um, 
And, uh, you know, that really, for us, feeds into a, a strong global demand picture in the next few years. Um, so we think, we think individual situations like the US you know, must be treated with, with appropriate, you know, sensible pragmatism. Um, and, and then there is the unknown of what demand in Europe might look like a couple of years from now. What are your forward projections for demand domestically? Oh, it's, uh, this is the one that probably causes me the most sleepless nights. I think, <laughs> I think, I think demand in Australia is going much faster than than our our estimations and our modelling sort of tells us. Um, we've been working in the last few years on on the way in which we go to the market here in Australia, and we've been working on reducing the uh, you know improving the visibility of HPA and HPA's variety to brewers. Uh, accessibility has been a big issue for us, and we've been actively seeking to make ourselves more accessible. We've uh, we've uh, engaged more with the, the smaller end of the industry. We've put reps on in in uh, in, in areas to help um, you know communication traffic. You know, we, we always call out to people to stay in touch. Um, so we're trying our bit, uh, our best there to do our bit. Um, and you know, more and more it. it it appears to me that uh, there is a lot of unsatisfied demand and demand extra demand coming online here in Australia, and and um, we will stay committed to making as much hop available as we need to 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 keep the Australian market fueled up with uh, Aussie varieties. That's uh, mission critical for us. So, so you 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 are bullish about the growth, the the continued growth of the Australian uh, craft market, as it relates to the uptake of HPA's varieties into into locally offered beers. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and uh, I was lucky enough to be down uh, on for for the harvest eighteen months ago, and uh, one of the hops that you pulled out um, at that stage only had its uh, you know working title uh, number. Um, and it wasn't wasn't named, but it was redolent of strawberries and a couple of other softer fruits, um, different to, to the ones. Are we seeing any of those hops now come on and be uh, given market names uh, and and hitting the market and uh, going out in brews? Yes, um, that uh, that very interesting uh, sort of strawberry floral black currant. Um, some sort of sulfury notes uh, is a is an experimental by the number 008. That uh, there in Tassie, that is a very interesting one and, and continues its path through the program. Um, in a more immediate sense, um, we have uh, we have two hops that we are uh, we've actually taken through to pellet this year. One uh, HPA 016. And uh, HPA 033. So 016 is our leading candidate at the moment. It's um, it's 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 a funny one at at the uh, BrewCon equivalents in the last couple of years when we've had it in raw hot available for the rub and smell at the at the trade stand. There, uh, brewers just unanimously go to it as their preference. You know, in uh, four numbered varieties, 016 always gets the uh, preference uh, just on the rub and sniff. And when, when we've seen it in beers, uh, Colonial released a single hop uh, IPA called Pioneer last year in Cannes, only a tiny volume, so, so most of the audience listening to this won't have, won't have seen it. But that was a, just a delicious beer. Um, so where we've seen it in a commercial setting, 016 has just performed just performed brilliantly. Uh, Bridge Road used 016 in the Stark Harvest for many years in, 
in the green hop, uh, which gave us our first insights into uh, how this one might perform. Um, now, this this exciting news has to be moderated somewhat by uh, the timing of, of um, you know, the program. As we know, the hop breeding program does take some time to, to get a commercialised variety out there. So even though we've taken a tiny quantity into pellet this year to aid brewers applying it in beer, uh, 2019 we'll have, uh, have, have some increased quantities, but really the commercialisation and, and a meaningful quantity to go out with a supply promise behind is in crop year 2020. So, so please stay patient out there. <laughs> Nothing happens quickly in agriculture, Nothing does it? happens quickly. <laughs> Not even me making a point. That doesn't happen quickly either. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fascinating, uh, fascinating stuff. But at, at this stage, do you have a like a, a a name for it, or is it still just a trial number? It's still a number at the moment. We're uh, you know there, there's a there's a whiteboard here at headquarters here <laughs> in Hobart that has random words written on it. Um, if anyone chooses to ask what they are, there are names that are going on the board for consideration later on. Okay. So, uh, if you if you've got some cracking, you know. Australianisms out there that might suit a hop name. You let me know. Well, maybe maybe we can run a uh, Brews News listener competition. Yeah, it'll be Hoppy McHopface or something. <laughs> hey, that's not a bad name. That's got. That's no, got don't, a ask certain... <laughs> don't ask the audience to name it, guys. <laughs> that's pretty much the end of the hop report but you, you did touch on that as these uh you know new and emerging hops uh go out brewers are engaged in in, in hop trials is that something that you know listeners and, and we do have uh, listeners right across the the industry including a lot of uh n- newer breweries is that something that uh is that a program that new breweries can become involved in and what do you look for in getting brewers involved in in, in those hop trials yeah, it, it's very hard to satisfy everyone in this sense because the quantities are so tiny. Um, you know, like if you're if you're sitting there listening to this and you you run on a small uh, brewery or, or production, you know, from HPA's point of view, what we want back from the brewers is uh, beers to drink on a Friday. Uh, no, sorry, uh, formalised sort of sensory feedback. We want we want to if we place if we place some experimental stuff into a, into into a brewery, we want to. We want them to be able to have trained panels to give us a structured feedback. Uh, you know, we can provide tasting guides. You know, we can provide sheets in which we we use to capture to capture data uh, when we're doing our own tastings. Um, but the value for us is greatly diminished when it when it goes into a brewery. Uh, you know, it gets shotgunned into a into a random style with no no baseline sensory performance in that beer, so they don't isolate the hop uh, contribution well. You know, that makes the feedback to us, you know, of, of diminished value. Um, we need we need some structure around these things uh, to make the feedback meaningful to help us make decisions about what goes forward and what doesn't. So, so I encourage people to uh, sort of take that pragmatic view of, of their their own programs um and, and and bear in mind that we sort of still need some value back out of these uh, it's not just about slinging hops around into breweries and everyone having a great time we actually need to make some decisions about what goes forward so the more mature programs uh, are definitely kind of uh, better positioned to um to access these experimental hops excellent um well that, that takes us through the report is there anything that wasn't in the report that uh we, that brewers might be interested in from from the 2018 harvest yeah, look, it was overall it was really pleasing. Like it's a hard thing to express in a quite a clinical crop report, but 
you know, uh, you know, hundreds of casual staff, you know, 35 tractors on each farm rolling 20 hours a day for, you know, 30 odd days. You know, it's a, it's a massive undertaking and it's really pleasing to come out the other side. And, um, you know, every year we sort of uh, share around some of the feedback from, from casuals that worked on the farm. You know, people write to us and say they had a great time and they, you know, they appreciated all the people they worked with and, and the, you know, the, uh, the nature of the job and all this sort of stuff. So that's hard to share all the sort of, uh, touchy feely stuff around harvest. It's hard to share in a in a clinical crop report, but yeah, we had a. I think we had a really. I mean, the the yield numbers uh, weren't great, but but I think we had a really pleasing harvest across so many areas. Um, uh, you know, culturally, economically, you know, in the in the local areas. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it was a good year. Mm. But and, and it, it's interesting that that's what you chose to remark on because that's something that the wine industry does very well around vintage. They capture the romance of of the harvest. And uh, you know, from the very first time I was lucky enough to come down to a HPA harvest, that was the thing that struck me that uh, I'd never quite appreciated how the, the the romance and the beauty and the you know just that resonance that you get from seeing these hop fields uh, under full um, flower or under full fruit. Um, and and being harvested, and, and that, that's something that we as an industry can certainly uh, Im- improve on. I, I would imagine. Well, we've got the uh, we've got the raw material for it, if you know what I mean. Excuse mm. the pun. You know, they're, they're, the farms are in a beautiful location. We you know, check out some of the footage on um, on the YouTube site or uh, on the website. There are links. Actually, I think you could trawl back through some of the Bruce News pages yeah, and yeah. find uh, find some content there as well. You know, we've got a beautiful setting. Um, it is still it is still very labour intensive, and in, in that are these stories of people and uh, and that sort of romantic setting. And frankly, you know, during harvest, um, in the clear, cold mornings, and the tractors are rolling, the top cutters uh, bringing the binds down. You know, it's it is it is always going to be an unusual and quite unique setting, and. Um, and to uh, you know, especially to the brewers out there, in it's very different to the brewing environment. I highly recommend everyone come to harvest at least once, mm. um, and and get in touch with what we do out there and understand it. It's um, it is a special place. And I guess that's the, the the one other untold story from it is that you do like you're a very hard man to catch. Um, you know, during those four to six weeks, because you are constantly uh, escorting international brewers and Australian brewers who are down visiting the harvest, um, you know, around to show them that. So, you know, how many international brewers did you have on farm this year? Uh, I'm not sure about internationals, but this um, this overall this year, I know we had at least 150 visitors uh, at Bushy Park alone. So uh, it was it is a busy time. Um, the Victorian farms probably probably not quite the same visitor numbers, um, but uh, that's more about our resourcing and where we get people to come, <laughs> where we direct people to come and visit us uh, down in Tassie is a little bit easier. So, yeah, it's um, it's building some momentum here locally. We've got we've got uh, brewers coming down, you know, every year, every couple of years now, Australian brewers, uh, just to stay in touch and and uh, they, you know. I think it is so different to the um, to the brewing headspace that we have to exist in, you know, every day. Um, the agricultural uh, perspective and, and motivations, and I think I think people really appreciate coming on farm and and, and immersing themselves in in hop related issues for a day or two. So 
say, I highly recommend it. The doors are always open. Is there potential, do you think, you know, we, we see, you know, Tasmania has just some really innovative, um, you know, an attention-grabbing uh, festivals, you know. Dark Mofo is about to kick off here in uh, June. So, yeah, That's what I was thinking. And, then, and, and Willie Smith's cider. Uh, Willie Smith also has uh, launched a uh, festival around the apple harvest. Do you think That's that right. there is, uh, you know, the opportunity to create a, a nice little beer festival um, in, in the area around the harvest? Everyone seems to sort of launch the, the harvest beers some months later, but uh, it would seem to be, you know, I would have thought there would be a nice opportunity to uh, roll in beer drinking and beer harvest and hop harvesting all in the one go. I think that's why I'm hard to contact in March sometimes because it's all the uh, it's all the beer drinking around hosting people. <laughs> it takes me <laughs> off the radar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look on a serious note, I think um, I think there is potential for that, and I, I think um, I think the challenge here is that HPA's skill sets in uh, in farming, you know, in, in in growing, processing, and merchandising hops, it's not necessarily in uh, entertaining the crowd. So it's um, I noticed that. Uh, Ben Krause up at Bridge Roads has uh, has done his um, high country hop festival that, yeah. there for uh, yeah, and that's a that's a great day or two his event there, and uh, you know it's down the road from the hop farm, but uh, but it's definitely capturing the the spirit of the uh, time, which is which is great, and it's all about you know highlighting highlighting the really important once a year time um, of hop harvest, you know, and the role it plays in in today's beers. Oh, terrific, OJ. Well, I reckon that we've just about nailed uh, the, the 2018 Hop Harvest. Thanks for coming on and uh, telling us about it. Not a problem at all, mate. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, and no doubt, well, um, this is one of the things that we do uh, every year, so uh, you know, no doubt I'll be speaking to you before the next one, but uh, thanks very much for joining us on uh, Beer is a Conversation. Matt, thanks very much. I appreciate the opportunity. And that was Owen Johnson, and this is Jeremy Moynier from Stone Brewing. I'm Jeremy Monier. I'm the senior manager of uh, innovation and supply chain. And that big title just means that I, I work with the kind of the pilot brewing side of things, as well as new beer releases, um, a lot of sensory work, and then focused on hops as well, just because of the work I've done the last six or seven years um, in the hop industry. Um, and I've been at Stone for uh, 14 years. Still came from the wine industry, um, but always was into beer and just kind of fell into Stone and. Uh, was, did cellar and brewing and just kind of worked my way up and it was a very big time evolving company and it had a lot of growth and um, it's been awesome. So. But you've actually been out in the hop supply um, sector as well? Well just uh, as far as kind of relationships and, and quality and picking out um, selecting hops, uh, part of the hop quality group too and the hop research council. Um, so hop quality group is a, a group of uh, craft brewers in America that uh, just focuses on quality and relationships with uh, growers. Um, then Hop Research Council is actually the, the uh, d- does a lot, funds a lot of the research um, for the hop industry in America. So got into that um, about six or seven years ago. So how long have you been working with Australian hops for, Jeremy? Oh, it's been a while. Um, I was just trying to think how when the first time we got Galaxy was, but it's, it's been several years. Um, we're always looking at new hops, trialing things. We've done a lot of that in America, um, but looking outside, especially now that we're a global company, because uh, we have a brewery in Berlin, um, as well as a brewery on the other side of this country in Richmond, Virginia, um, but always kind of looking at new opportunities and new flavors and aromas. Um, and Australia was a place when, you know, when we first hit on Galaxy, we were like, wow, this is really, this is special. 
um, say it's, it's real expressive hop, a lot of intensity, uh, a lot of different flavors, especially with that kind of pat, passion fruit and that resin, cool resin quality that we like. Um, so, yeah, actually, uh, one of the earlier uh, big production beers that we put it in was um, our Enjoy By, which has a lot of hops in it, but the Galaxy is kind of a key part of the, um, the dry hop. So it's complemented um, in Enjoy By with some American varieties, I would American assume? American varieties, New Zealand varieties. That's a, that's a, hop, that's a beer with a lot of hops. Um, I think the count right now is 11 or 12 um, throughout the whole process. Uh, but really the dry hop, the Galaxy, we've actually done it because we're always doing different trials. We've done it without Galaxy and it's just not the same. Um, so, and, and I think Galaxy is one of these hops that on its own is really cool and unique, but it's a, a nice blender as well. So you can kind of put it with some other hops and it brings up some other attributes that are really cool. So if Galaxy is um, contributing more of that tropical kind of uh, note to something like Enjoy By, what's the final flavor or aroma profile that you're looking for? If you've got, so let's say you tick the tropical box, or at least part of the tropical box, you want more complexity than that from the other hops too. I I really look, um, and our Ripper uh, Pale Ale that we've done for the last few years is just Galaxy and Cascade. And... I think the Galaxy is very expressive in that beer, and you get that passion for it really pops. But you do have this kind of undercutting uh, resin intensity as well. And I think the nice balance there uh, works really well. Um, that's kind of an interesting beer, a story behind that beer, the Ripper, um, which we kind of riffed off that Australian term of Ripper, right? Or went to a Ripper or had a Ripper. Um, and that beer is cool because uh, Cascade is a hop that we kind of stayed away from for a long time. And it wasn't because we didn't like it, but it's just the fact that when we first started the brewery, we were trying to be different, and we lo- we really loved Sierra Nevada. And that was a big hop for Sierra Nevada and some other breweries at the time back in the 90s. And, and we thought, you know, we'll, we'll use some other hops just to try to be distinctive. Then after several years, you know, we thought, oh, it'd be fun to go back and kind of play with Cascade. So we were trying to do this uh, a pale, and we only wanted a, a couple different hops in it. We didn't want it to be a massively, you know, variety of hops, just a couple key hops. And Galaxy came to mind just because of our past experience with it. And that's the only two hops in that beer. And it's, it's really cool because you get that, you know, it's... And we also called... Um, Galaxy, kind of the cascade of Australia, because it's become the big hop for Australia. Um, so that's been cool to blend those two, and it's a really cool beer. Do you work with any of the other HPA hops? Yep. So uh, Vic Secret and Ella, we've used quite a bit, um, and actually uh, are have been in some of our IPAs, and and uh, we've done those as single hops as well. We have a small kind of pro- rotating hop program called Hop Revolver, and um, those were. Um, the Ella was a single hop in that, um, and those are kind of small releases, um, but we've used those hops quite a bit as well. Um, and then we've um, experimented a little bit with Enigma, um, which is really uh, an interesting hop. Uh, the one that we have here today at the, or that Haas HPA are doing here at the Innovation uh, Tasting um, is really intense, and uh, I haven't had it that intense before, so it's kind of cool. So. Is that one of your beers, or no, is that someone that's, else's that's beer with Enigma? The Haas Innovation Center, yeah, for the Haas uh, partner with HBA, right? So, um, no, not one of ours. Uh, 
So what with those other hops, what's your um, sort of ideas of how Vic Secret and Ella, which sound like the ones you've used the most, what, what sort of attributes that they can bring to a beer? Yeah, I think they're both... Um, I think Vic Secret, you probably get a little more of the resin quality and maybe some kind of earthy herbal tones, but there's still fruit in there. And uh, I think with Ella, even more fruit. Uh, but I think those are great hops to blend with. And even you can blend them with some other kind of like hops and we've had those two together as well and i think they just kind of play off of each other between the fruit and the resin and it, uh, pretty interesting and when you do that you get kind of multiple kind of a multiple array of uh, flavors and aromas that you might not have gotten if you just used one of those and then again if you use other hops in there too which we've done it just kind of pops different levels of fruit do you think that stone would have been looking for different sort of hop character or a different sort of end result 10 or 15 years ago um, to what it does now in terms of complexity? I I think we always have. I I mean, really, we've always been a hop-forward brewery. You know, we're one of the first breweries to have a packaged double IPA out on the market, um, a national kind of release. Um, We did IPAs from the get-go, but at the time, IPA wasn't as popular, and so it would be like our anniversary beer. And we did that for several years, you know, and then... Until we could say, okay, yeah, that we can start, we can start having this as a normal release. Um, so, but but to your to your question, um, we've always been looking for different hops. We've probably stepped it up even more in the last five or uh, seven years, um, just because I think there's more out there, um, and and there's more innovation I think in the hop world than there was in the past, um, and I think also with more of a relationship between the brewers and the hop growers and vendors. Um, there's more of a, a, a combined approach to doing things together and trialing new hops out. Um, so yeah, I think we're in a really, we're in a really cool um, position right now as a, industri- as a brewing industry and a hop industry, I think, as far as uh, experimentation and innovation. Jeremy, have you made it down to Australia for a uh, hop harvest yet to visit uh, Bushy Park in Tassie? I have. I just got back, actually. So I was there uh, this last harvest. So that was my third harvest, actually, being over in Australia. Um, and it's uh, it's awesome. And it's beautiful. I mean, both those two, uh, you know, main, uh, the Bushy Park and Ross Trevor are both, both pretty awesome. Um, very picturesque, too, for, for hop farms. Um, and, uh, yeah, just what... What HPA is doing and their drive on quality, um, their attention to detail, um, the fact that they didn't mind having a pesky brewer be down there and asking a bunch of questions and, and, and showing interest was cool, especially during such a busy time. Um, so again, kind of goes back to, I think, that relationship, that we're driving relationships with each other and trying to help each other. Um, so yeah, it's been awesome. How important is it from a procurement perspective to actually be there and see what, what's happening at harvest time? I, I think it's important. Uh, I mean, it, more information is always better. Um, and I think from my standpoint, we're always trying to learn more. Um, and we can't really learn, we can only learn so much reading about it. But to actually be on the ground and see the harvest, see the quality that's coming out, see how the processes are, are, are doing, and then talking to everybody that's uh, working there and managing that process. Um, I just think it's super valuable. Um, and uh, we plan on continuing to do that. And you know, we do that in America every year. Um, but I've, as we've grown in using 
you know, more hops internationally, I think it's important that we expand that. And we are, too. So I went to New Zealand this year as well, and that was my first trip to New Zealand. Um, so, and we're late now. We have a brewery in Berlin. So, you know, looking to do some visits in, in uh, Germany as well. Awesome. Well, well, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for your time and yeah, hope, no to, hope to see you uh, down under again sometime soon for Hop Harvest. Sounds good. And that was James's chat with Jeremy Moigno. Hopefully those two chats will satisfy the hop heads amongst you. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can also find the Hop Products Australia crop report in the show notes as well. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. And we look forward to another conversation next week.